This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Applied Botanics. Applied Botanics offers a great line of CBD oils, including a line for pets. Now, I've been using their products for the last two months. I really wanted to test it out before I started promoting it to listeners of this podcast. And I have to say, I experienced some great benefits. They have five different products, which include comfort, focus, recovery, tranquility, and vitality. The three that I utilized the most were comfort, focus, and tranquility. Comfort really provided me with stress and anxiety relief. I just started a new job two months ago. So between that and the fact that we're still living in a pandemic, comfort really slowed things down for me. And at the end of the day, kept that anxiety and stress at bay. Their focus line also helped me during podcasts. It helped me to really focus on what my guests are saying, which enables me to ask the important questions and really pull back the layers of who they are. And finally, and possibly my favorite that I felt great benefits from is tranquility. I take it 30 minutes or so before bed, and it really helps deliver me into that deeper sleep faster than I would without it. I wake up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day. Now, oftentimes people are skeptical of CBD oil, especially when it comes to the price. But whether you're curious about CBD or have used CBD products before, you will find that Applied Botanics CBD is nearly half the cost of other brands. Their thoughts are that using CBD should not require a payment plan. On top of that, listeners of this podcast can get an additional 30% off their first purchase using the code word POPGO Project at checkout. So head over to AppliedBotanics.com where you can learn more about all their products. And if you decide to make a purchase, use code word POPGO Project for 30% off. Applied Botanics. Live healthy and happy. My guest today has been performing music for many years and has built up quite a resume. I remember seeing him play at a local bar when he was just 16 or 17 years old, and I knew from that moment I saw him, even at that age, he'd have a very successful career. He's played in bands like Leroy Justice, Miz, Cabinet, and with Charles Rivera, and most recently with artists like Ryan Montblou and Sister Sparrow and the Dirty Birds. We discussed the release of his two new albums, Controlled Burn and Discourse, both of which are available on all the streaming services. We also talk about life over the last year, Jordan vs. LeBron, 90s Pearl Jam versus 2000s Pearl Jam, and more. Welcome to the show, Justin Mazur. out with Justin Mazur. Dude, what's going on? Good to see you. You too, man. I I feel like I haven't seen you in probably a decade. I've, I, I probably have in some form uh, outside of the internet, but maybe not. Um, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, we hung out uh, in Philly. I think it was a decade. I think it was 2011. After seeing Ryan Adams. Yes. Yeah. We uh, hung out wow. with Matt Gabriel. And That's right. We went, to, we went to that bar. I forget what bar it was called, but that bar was actually on Bar Rescue with John Taffer. Taffer. John Taffer. Yeah, he's a, he's a big fan uh, amongst my household. Yeah? I mean, it's super fake, but I mean, what reality show isn't fake? I'm pretty sure there's a John Taffer bar kit in my apartment. 
Actually, I'm positive there is. Um, but anyways, yeah, that was that was some time ago, and I kind of forgot about that for a second. But um, man, oh, didn't we speak like maybe four years ago on on something? Were you? Was I? I forget, I feel like I missed. I feel like you were on with Rich on his podcast. Weren't you there? I don't remember. I feel like I, maybe I wasn't. Well, maybe I was there in spirit. We'll have to we'll have to investigate later. But nonetheless, yeah. it's been a it's been a minute. It's been too long. That's that's what it comes down to. It's been too long. But uh, I'm happy you took the time out of your schedule uh, tonight to speak with me because you did something really cool recently. Um, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Justin Mazer drops not one but two records uh which is crazy because i mean so before we get started i'm i'm not surprised by any of the success that you had and here's why if you remember i have been following you since you're probably 17 years old not in a creepy way not in a creepy way (laughs) but uh i remember seeing you when you first started playing out maybe you're not first but like it was very early on it was and you were in a band called Dirty Water. That's right. With Mike Doherty. Yeah. And I remember, I remember vividly, like some of the shows at Outsiders, you guys were kids, like kids, 17 years old. But I remember saying to myself, and not that I'm anybody who knows anything, but I felt like, you know, none of the success that you or Mike have had surprises me at all, especially you. Um. I just when I saw you play, when I saw you know just the way you carry yourself, I just knew that you know you were going to have um, a good career, and here you are. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled by that. I mean, yeah, I was the old man getting drunk at the bar while you were 17 playing playing tunes. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like you uh, you go as far back as the beginning of. Uh, me performing music in public at all in any capacity yeah yeah it's been a, it's been a lot of fun watching you grow man it, it really has i remember the one night at outsiders i i was i got i forget who was in front of me um i don't remember we were we were all jumping around you guys were rocking out we were, we were having a great time and this kid in front of me fell backwards and smashed my, I don't know if it was my bottle of beer or my glass into my mouth, split my lip open. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like anything like I had to go to the hospital, but like, yeah, it was not uh, the way I wanted to uh, end the night because uh, Mike's brother TJ was also there and we had plans to party afterwards with a bunch of people. And I looked like uh, a weirdo with a busted lip. So yeah, had it. Lots of stuff occurred at that bar. I remember, and I just remember I I, I still despise the 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 steps, the loading steps. Yes, it was pain pain in the ass. Yeah, there was no easy way up those steps. That's right. But I mean, it built character. It it, it helped form what you are today. I'm it sure you've done at, at outsiders. I'm, I'm sure you've done much worse since then. That's in it. That. That's in like a top tier, I would say, but 
there are a couple that's that certainly stick out okay but yeah you have, you have this career i mean th- i think what you're like 31 now yes so we're talking like 14 years ago yeah crazy and it feels it feels longer than that but I mean, when you say 14 years it's nice it's like eh, it's a long time but not really i don't know it's weird but uh but yeah, so you released two records available on all the streaming services. Um, so one's called Discourse and one's called Controlled Burn. Um, and you, like I said, you did it out of nowhere. You're just kind of like, oh, here it is. I think you uh, sat down with Mike Lello and uh, kind of did an interview with him. And that was really cool. And uh, you just released this music. And, and typically, um, you're the kind of guy that, you know, you're, you're a guitar player, a great guitar player been in a lot of bands that you know come out of northeastern pennsylvania um but you've always been part of a band so now it's it's your it's your music it's and what's also cool about it what's different is it's all instrumental so tell us a little bit about i mean like i said there's two records most people put out one if if any at all anymore typically it's just singles but you dropped two records um tell us a little bit about both of those and kind of where you, where it all came from. And I'm, I'm kind of guessing that maybe some of it happened over the past year, you know, we're in quarantine since uh, March of 2020 and today we're April 22nd of 2021. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Um, well, controlled burn came first, um, in terms of the idea of making an, an album like that. And I've always played uh, instrumental music as well as um, just regular, you know, conventional songs. And I played in instrumental bands over the years, uh, like all different kinds of stuff. And I've always enjoyed that. And um, that combined with, you know, some of my um, my musical interests, uh, I, I've always been a fan of um, uh, progressive rock and songs that have more um, experimental or more long form arrangements. So I've played in bands over the years where I've been able to incorporate all these things, but I never necessarily, I feel like the, both of these albums are an opportunity to kind of uh, check back into some of these, some of these um, musical zones that I've, that I've been in over the years, but nonetheless, Controlled Burn dates back to around 2017 or 18, where I had five or six songs that I wanted to make into an EP. Um, I was living in Burlington, Vermont at the time. and um, I relocated to Philadelphia in 2018 and it wasn't until I, I, I stumbled into a studio here uh, in South Philly that um, for an impromptu uh, recording session that I, I found what I thought was the right room that uh, to record that music in. Um, so I, we, I chipped away with that. I chipped away at that with, um, with just the, the engineer and I for about nine months uh, used, I played most of the instruments and, and used um, a few different drummers. Um, that was ready to be released in April of last year. Okay. Um, and the reason that I had it poised for that uh, release in that time period was I had a weekend of shows booked. And this is back when there was touring and stuff going on, or, or, right, or I guess right before. But I had these, this weekend of shows booked in April where I was going to do basically the same thing, do a surprise release. Um, or have it release it around the weekend of these shows, but I, I had, I had handpicked all the people I wanted to play. And it was, um, 
and it was specific to that we were going to play the album and and i have other you know other songs building a, a nice a nice series of sh shows that which is also something i've never really done before um so, so when the pandemic struck i and the shows got canceled i i basically bookshelved controlled burn and dealt with all the you know the, the realities and uncertainty of like what am i going to do um so that takes us to like april or may of last year at which point i um i made a couple of small investments in the uh, home recording uh, as i believe many musicians probably did and um you know I, I originally studied audio engineering in college and that was over a decade ago um but i haven't done any engineering since so for basically a three or four month period, I, I was in a, a pretty regimented routine of learn, teaching myself or reteaching myself how to do all that stuff. And then also um, just seeing through some of these uh, new, new ideas I've had, as well as the old ones, uh, to the point where I was just working on everything at once. And around the fall of this year, I knew I was going to be closing in on finishing it, all the stuff I started to do, which is ultimately. Um, the two albums and other other things to be released yet um so i wanted to possibly do something where I, throughout the first um go around with recording controlled burn to the idea of releasing either an album as a surprise or uh, a couple at once and i set out to do that last year but there was just not enough time i mean i to, i was um it was hard, it's hard it was much harder to, to schedule recording prior when other life things were happening and gigs and traveling stuff like that um but i was had this large batch of songs late last year and i um i basically buckled down with uh an engineer from and a musician from um boston mark friedman and him and i just mixed and um master or mixed and produced he mastered it but um for we, we did a remote mixing winter basically for three months we just chipped away at all this stuff and ended up condensing it a little bit and uh basically i was like i just want to have this stuff and whenever i feel like releasing it i can um and because they're more long-form conceptual albums i didn't feel a need to release a single um in addition to that um it was there was no demand for me to release any music and i also was off social media for a good portion of uh the pandemic so i figured it would be a, a nice way to um a nice pronounced way to re-enter the the social media world and I, I assume from our discussion prior to us going live here uh you're a huge fan of social media <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh i mean i don't want to get away from the music but why did you kind of take a break from social media especially you know last year well it's something that i've always tried to find good balance with being a performer and needing to promote things um but also, it's, it's, I think it's pretty obvious, and I feel like there's a pretty substantial amount of data to support this, that it's really bad for your brain. Um, and and it, it, it basically pries on your, uh, your, your weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And, and just if that, it's hard enough to maintain this self. And it's like a second identity you have to maintain. It's, it's re and, and the fact that I felt like I needed to do it to promote music which i is pretty much impossible not to there was never an opportunity to do that so uh, i got to a point and there was also just so much um increased 
ridiculousness uh, because of all of the things that were happening. So I, 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 it just seemed like the right time to do it. And within days, I, I, I forgot that um, social media even existed. And I would just found myself to be so much happier and just had so many, I had so much more time and concentration and to the point where it didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. And I was just in, in my zone, you know, um, just working on my stuff. And it, it, it really, when I came back on, I'm like, Oh, perhaps there's a, I could find a, you know, there's a better way where, the, or at least try to uh, blaze some kind of trail to be like, maybe there's a way where it doesn't all have to be on this platform that just seems more toxic than it is effective, at least for me. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool that, you know, you kind of, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of got some clarity almost by uh, removing yourself from it because it, it's, I, I feel like I say it all the time. It's, it's, it's not a good place. Um, and I'm definitely a victim of, of its, uh, you know, its pool, so to speak. Well, everybody is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just something that like, it's, and even I I could extend this conversation to phones in general. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're rocking the uh, the iPhone 6, you said. 6S. 6S, I'm sorry. I am very, very sorry. That's all right. I don't want to diminish your, your, your technology here, but you're going to do. They won't even take this, they won't even take this for a trade-in. It's so old that they'd laugh <laughs> they don't even, at me. They didn't even want it. Like, no, nah, you keep no. it. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't uh, found a way to shut that phone off and then force you to buy a new one. Oh, it's it, it's days are limited. Certain things are just not working, and <laughs> because it's now like that, the cutoff is you got to have like a seven or or like the SE or whatever. Um, but I'm I like to say I'm always five to six iPhones behind proudly. Good for you. I'm proud of you. That's, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a feat to be uh, celebrated for sure. <laughs> I'll be going to Verizon soon. Yeah. But no, I, I don't want to get off the music. Obviously that's what we're here to talk about, but I, I also like, I like to talk about, you know, you know normal everyday life. So, um, of course. but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because when I was working in, you know, media, um, you know, just recently I, I left the radio stations back in January. I kept saying that, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, working in that industry, I probably wouldn't have social media. Um, cause I, it, it was a way for me to know what was going on and, you know, what businesses were doing, what, and who was doing who and what bands were playing where. And even though I'm no longer there, I'm still kind of a victim of it because I'm doing this. Right. So it's obviously a necessary evil, but now that I'm at Axelrad, I have far less time, especially during the day, uh, to monkey around with social media, um, which is which is good. Um, it's funny every Sunday, my phone will tell me you know how much screen time I've had, and it's it's gone down every week considerably. So that's good. That's a win. Yeah, you know, and it's just yeah, finding a better balance with it, I think is possible. And I, and I think everyone has a different relationship with it where, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, uh, perhaps, uh, you strike me as somebody who probably has listened to a Joe Rogan podcast before. Never once. I don't even Not know who once. that is. Not one. Okay. I, I, who is Joe Rogan? Well, he's a guy that does a lot of things, but he once said, 
uh, and it's a great move. The post and ghost, you know, say awesome, what you yeah. got to say. If you got to do some light engaging, that's then just then then you're out. Post yeah. and ghost. <laughs> post. I like that. Post and ghost. Yes, I am a huge Joe Rogan fan. Uh, I have a well this way. There's a, uh, a, a oh, yeah. custom <laughs> custom made lamp from Scott Nichols. There's the the third eye. Um, Sorry, but success isn't going to allow me to. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Nice. And then right next to that is a, a Joe Rogan bust that my wife bought me for my birthday three or four years ago. Not her best. Uh, I mean, it was in my mind her best gift ever, but uh, I used to like move it around the house and put it in places that she didn't really care for. But yeah, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. So yeah, obviously, uh, you know, I uh, consume the internet. Yeah. As we all do. But it's also good because your music lives there now. That's, well, you can't, it's, you know, you can't live without the, the internet and all of that. Um, I think, and even extending, uh, you know, social media to phone usage, you could also extend um, internet usage to just like better balance in life, you know, which I think at least for the, in the pandemic, that was um, something I was able to do. If you, if you subtract one thing, then naturally other, and, and you, and you make yourself open to, um, doing healthier things for your mind and body, you're, you're naturally will settle into a more balanced, you know, flow or routine to gain some perspective on how, just how, but, you know, looking at a screen, even, even if, if you're not in media, looking at a screen in, in an office desk for eight hours is like really bad. Shit. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for both, right now, both of us. for right now. Yeah. We're, we're just, uh, we were slammed, which is awesome. We just moved to a new building at Axelrad, and um, the business is good. Uh, but it's a lot of work in front of a computer, uh, talking to clients and all that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> that's not why we're here to talk. I keep, I'm sorry for keeping I know. getting back that, that, to that. That's, that's all right. But I, I mean, like I said, we haven't talked to you. Rick. I, literally, I have not spoken to you at length uh, since 2011. And even then... yes. I know we were we were at the show, and I we caught up afterwards. But like, I feel like you were there, but we didn't talk that much. So, yeah. So it's natural. Naturally, we'll digress a little bit. And that's okay because I mean, if people listen, great. If not, I keep saying this. Doing this is also uh, a, a, a selfish thing for me. I get to hang out with you, uh, and whatever. So, cheers to that. Absolutely. It's Thursday. Thursday's new Friday. You're drinking water. I'm drinking beer. I uh, haven't had a drink since Saturday. I'm, I'm, I'm minimizing my alcohol consumption. But yeah, Thursday's a new Friday. And uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, man. Cheers. I'll, I'll take more sip, uh, another sip of water. I, um... So before you, know, you said you, you kind of removed yourself from social media, um, you know, when the pandemic first hit, um, did you, as a musician, take advantage of the platform to, you know, do live streams or, or do anything of that sort? I did. Yes. Um, I did. A f- I did about a half dozen live streams for the first month or so. Um, and as much as I have just kind of bashed, bashed social media, you know, I could also say that like that was those streams felt really good to do. and. And, all, and at the at the heart of the uncertainty of everything, 
it was um, it, I, I was almost able to simulate um, like the whole process of actually playing a gig, meaning I have a stream booked. I'm going to let people know I'm doing it. I'm going to prepare a set of music and then I'm going to perform it. And then when it's over, I, I walk into the, the kitchen to grab a beer instead of like the green room to grab a beer. And then I have the adrenaline and the feeling of like, oh, I just I just played a show and there were people watching and I was able you're able to engage as well and they, they, it, I really enjoyed them and I also workshopped some pieces that eventually became songs um, on on the discourse album oh cool so you kind of use that like a comedian would uh, do a, an open mic or, or something like that absolutely even just if I have a skeleton for a song and talking about instrumental music you know I could kind of leave sections open to like a designated section to explore or improvise knowing that it's just me. Um, I could, and then I could find ways to um, bring it back to a, a familiar theme somehow. And that kind of had to be kind of cool because, you know, where if you tried doing that in front of an audience and you felt like, you know, maybe you maybe perform that song or, or whatever, and didn't get the feedback you thought you would, because like, you know, that's, that's what you kind of hope as a musician when you're in front of a crowd that people would clap or get excited about it. Like you didn't have to have that, that worry about it. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was a unique feeling in that regard. Um, but it, it gave me kind of more headroom to explore in terms of, uh, I'm doing my thing regardless. It, 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 and, and what's funny is, I mean, whether there was a stream or not, I, you know, that, that is part of how I practice guitar is just to kind of play freely. Uh, so to be, and then to get more comfortable with doing that and just, oh, maybe people will enjoy this if I, I just organized it a little bit more. And um, it was really nice. It was, and that was definitely one of the, the things that kind of kept me sane for those first few weeks. Right. Yeah. It's a weird time, man. I mean, I, I mean, you're, I don't know what you do. If you have a, you know, prior to COVID, if you had like a full-time uh, day job or if you were a full-time working musician but i mean regardless of what that situation may be i mean you were definitely a musician who played a lot of shows played with a lot of different bands and i always get concerned about artists in general like i mean that's an outlet for them um you know playing shows and and, and playing music and and you know having that feedback from an audience i mean at the end of the day i mean that's very rewarding i mean as much as you perform music for yourself, I'm sure, you know, performing for people and, and, and seeing the pleasure that they get from music is also rewarding for you. So, you know, what was life like for you, you know, for the past year, so to speak, of not really having that? Well, I, um, I basically, I don't, know, I don't know exactly how many years it is now. But um, I've been playing music full time exclusively for at least five years, maybe a little longer. And prior to that, it was a series of uh, side jobs, odd jobs, uh, splitting, working a couple of jobs and playing shows in between that kind of thing. But so my whole life, you know, from my late 20s until now has been music and touring and playing and just, you know, get, get into the next show, get into the next thing. So. You know, it, it literally felt like somebody took my world and 
turned my house and turned it upside down. And I'm just like, my goals, you know, my, my, everything on my calendar is canceled. Um, it was like pretty terrible. It was pretty terrifying and anxiety inducing, um, in the very beginning. Uh, however, we, I, I talk again about balance. Um, you know, in order to survive playing music, uh, it's it's challenging physically and mentally and it requires at least for me i i spent i had to spend a lot of time not being home to just to just to uh survive sometimes uh you know averaging 175 to 200 days a year i think a couple of years on the road uh which i i love and enjoy but over over the course of several years um that that could burn you out a little bit Sure. Where I start and then being in my late twenties, I start to acquire uh, other kind of like long-term adult type of goals. And well, I'm like, I can't really do that if I'm just out playing, playing uh, all, all these shows all the time. So um, I have all these other, you know, these other plans in terms of like albums, I, music I, I'd like to record. And, um, and just like other, you know, other things that don't involve music perhaps. Um, but this past year has allowed me to a catch up on these creative endeavors I've had for some time. Um, I also have uh, you. You probably remember I was a, a long distance runner competitively, track and field and cross country and whatnot uh, back in high school as well as college. Um, for the first time in a decade, I got uh, way back into it. I'm actually doing my first competitive road race this Saturday. Oh, awesome! So much water. So. I, I think I'm probably in the best shape of my adult life right now. Um, for you. I'll awesome. let you know after Saturday, see if, <laughs> uh, depending on what my uh, performance time would be. Um, but uh, aside from that, uh, just really had to kind of find the thing about playing music is uh, it's, it's constantly just you trying to accomplish something and there being roadblocks or challenges or adversity to overcome. And musicians more than so many other people, when these things happen, uh, are, are able to adapt much quicker because that they're just used to that. It's an, it's an unconventional lifestyle. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's random and sometimes chaotic and you don't have a whole lot of a schedule that you could, it's not like my, you know, Monday, I got it Monday through Friday. I got to be in one place. It's not that at all. Um, so I, I just got to like be in one place, you know, for, and just, catch up on some things and, and, and just get, actually get eight hours of sleep. And, and, and I just feel, I feel like there's probably other, many other musicians far more extreme than me um, that are also reap some benefits from the pandemic year um, in that way. But the last thing I would say on this would just be in terms of adapting, finding new ways to, um, you know, do music. And I feel like a lot of creative approaches have been taken in terms of live streaming. And um, me personally, I, um, I've been kind of working on a few things or trying to work on a few things for TV and film. And like, I'm really into the idea of possibly um, doing more like scoring if I can, when I can. That's cool. Um, obviously writing instrumental music, it go, could often go hand in hand with that kind of thing. And perhaps in you know this next chapter, it's it, it's it's um there could be another and new opportunities that wouldn't have been presented to you otherwise if not for the pandemic with just again uh, musicians uh, adapting 
and finding ways to do their thing. No, absolutely. You're 100% right. And I think, you know, people across the world, um, you know, not just musicians, is as detrimental as it was, I think, to a lot of people. Um, you know, you said it yourself, like, it forced people to kind of take a break. Because, I mean, as, as a society, living in a digital age where everything you're accessible to, everybody at any moment, you know, we're we're just going and going and going and moving and moving. And it really, I think, kind of forced people to kind of take a break, stop and look around and say, shit, like, you know, there's more to life than, you know, doing the rat race nine to five or whatever it might be, or being on the road for 200 or 300 days a year or whatever, whatever it is. Um, it really gave people the opportunity to reflect and um, spend time with family and, and things like that. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the results of this pandemic, I would never wish upon anyone because there's a, there's a lot of job losses. There's, you know, a lot of mental health issues and, you know, the list goes on. Um, Absolutely. But in the same, the same breath, like it's, it was good for some people, which is weird to say, cause people were dying and, and, uh, but it really forced people to really take a look at, you know, life in general. Absolutely. And I think for as, um, as just terrible, uh, uh, some of the, you know, some of the things that have happened in the, in the last year, along with what you just mentioned, uh, there's equally as much potential for, um, there to be kind of a universal shift in mental health and how people communicate with each other. And maybe people will be able to just even like over the next 50 years, if they do a, a research study to prove that at post pandemic, people are like 5% nicer as a population. That's, that's a positive as far as I can see. Yeah. That could be a win. Yeah. But hopefully more obviously. And there, I think there's potential for there to be major um, shifts in, in all of that stuff. And obviously I hope for that. Yeah. I mean, I think there definitely will be, I mean, I mean, we're all kind of forced to, I think whether, you know, we, we like to believe it or not, like it's going to be a different world. It's not going to go back to, back to normal. It's, it's not going to be normal ever. No. Um, people are saying the new normal, which I hate. I hate that. I hate it's that phrase. Absolutely. Very annoying when people say that. I hate that phrase. I hate the word pivot. Um, what, else, <laughs> what else have I learned to hate over the past year? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, but yeah, it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see how things kind of uh, play out. And it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see how the entertainment industry comes back and how long that takes. And I mean, there's cities like LA and in New York um, who were you know, decimated by this whole thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot to think about. And, um, you know, people far smarter than me, uh, hopefully will help, you know, build those back up, but it's a wild ride. I think it, absolutely. I, well, I think to your point, it's, it's, um, more, it's going to start it, the, the sense of community and, and, and everyone kind of real doing, doing their part ultimately will help things um, get back to the way they were. And I uh, just uh, in starting with a local at the local level and working its way out. So um, everyone's important. 
to, to the whole process. Yeah. So to get back to the music, and I, again, I apologize for right. <laughs> continuing to pull you away from it because I really want to okay. talk about what you have going on. Cause I think it's great. Um, you know, you had a uh, controlled burn that was kind of ready to go, um, but you didn't release it. And then in addition to that, you had um, discourse that you also put out recently. So did you just get bored and said, ah, well, now we'll just, instead of one, we'll do two. Well, I, I wanted to do three. All right. Well, three, full, put, it, put them all out. I had full intentions of releasing three. Um, but it just got to the point where I, it, to, to do it, to, to do them to the quality that I wanted and knowing that I wanted to kind of put a soft deadline on getting at least two of them out by the spring. And I knew that I just wouldn't be able to get the third one done, but I, 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 I tried to do three. <laughs> I went, I went for three, but I, I was actually just fit, um, recording. I was at a studio today working on the, some, the next album that hopefully I'd like to get out within a few months, but I don't want to, um, I don't want to put any timeline on it just because I, again, I just would like to get things done right quickly, but as best also as, you know, as best as they can be. Yeah. Don't, don't say that on this podcast because my five I, listeners will hold you to that. Well, just in general, but also when I, when I do say it, which there's not, it's not necessary for me to say it because I've, I've, I've mentioned it to a, another couple of other folks as well. I just then puts the, it puts the pressure on me to know that sure. I publicly said it. Yeah. So I have to get my ass in gear for my, <laughs> for my own sake. I understand. But yeah, too. I mean, are they, are they different from one another? Are they the same? Does one lead into the second? Like, how does that work? Um, I used different approaches in, well, conceptually, they're both, they're both different in, in a number of ways, but controlled burn was more based around um, grooves. Like, uh, it was very groove oriented um album and just like the guitar the guitar ideas i had were all kind of in the same realm uh just kind of more like uh groove oriented instrumental rock type stuff where as discourse is a little bit more experimental and it's a little bit more um i guess it considered to be conceptual where songs do go into each other and um it's 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 a little bit more I'd like to think of it as kind of a dream sequence um, that kind of starts at one location and takes you on a, takes you to somewhere, then it drops you back off, you know, at the end. Um, so the whole approach with recording and the way that I went about writing the, or coming up with the material was different where discourse, as I mentioned, it was kind of, I had these, I, these kind of, like ambient loops that I would improvise over and, and go back and record them and kind of pick out the things I like and then slowly kind of arrange, arrange them over time. Uh, whereas controlled burn was just more like so songs where um, discourse, the forms of the songs are more experimental and they're, and they're a little, they're a little bit more there. The song lengths are a little bit longer and shorter. 
on discourse. So there are differences in terms of like how I, the musical ideas I approached it with, as well as obviously like, you know, the, the emotional stuff, you know, the inspiration behind all that at the different time periods that I wrote them. I gotcha. And, you know, you, you always see, you know, when there's a band now, you're, you're, I feel like you're part of many bands, um, but like when a band has like maybe the lead singer kind of goes off and does their, you know, solo effort, or even a guitar player will might may um, go off and do like a side project um, with vocals. Um, you took the approach of of doing albums, you know, all instrumental by yourself. Um, I have two questions to that. You know how you, you know how is that different from being in a band, and do you like that? Do you like this part of the process better than being in a band? And maybe there's three questions. Um, is there ever a thought of of adding your own vocals to your music? Cool. All right. Let's start with let's start with question one. Um, you'll have to repeat the first question though. The question was, um, you know, you kind of breaking up away from the band aspect and um you know doing your own thing yes and and how you you kind of feel about that part of it as opposed to being as part of a band okay sure yes so um it's two different it's two different um zones for me entirely and i equally love them both um the doing my own stuff is exciting because i haven't had really an opportunity to do it in this way before but um, it's a whole other skill set that goes along with playing in a band, whether it's a collaborative band or whether it's um, I'm accompanying a singer songwriter. And I, I love the role of accompanying uh, singer songwriters um, and the role that guitar plays in that. And some of my favorite guitar players from over the years are those who serve songwriters well. Um, Mike Campbell is uh, from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, I think, is uh, the, the best at that. Sure. Um, so it's like completely different things for me that, um, you know, the idea of doing my own stuff arose partially of um, it's just something I was shipping away at when I wasn't when I wasn't playing other shows uh, to, to basically it's a, something I could build slowly over time at my own speed on my own terms, which is really nice and appealing. Gotcha. And I mean, you answered this, the second question in that that answer, too, because I asked you. Um, if you like one over the other, and you kind of said they're they're different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And then the third question I had was, you know, it's it's all instrumental. Um, have you thought about adding vocals to that? You know, them being your own. No, um, no, I have not. And since I was, you know, a teenager with in terms of writing music, I just. I don't, I don't write like my creative mind doesn't, um, it doesn't do lyrics. I, I, I write instrumental music. Um, that's cool, man. I don't really have control over that. That's kind of just like, I, not to say that I'm not, that I, that I won't, I don't want to limit myself to that, but I'm just saying thus far, that's just kind of where my, my, my creative interests have lied. However, I also would, would, would say that, um, I, I've, I've developed some ideas in terms of, um, you know, projects where I love to maybe write music 
and have for for a sit like write songs for a singer sure and then like that kind of thing um or like i could hey singer songwriter here's a here's a song you could write you could sing over it and it's your song uh something like that well, I think it's important to know your strengths, right? Because there's a lot of times where guitar players or you know wh- whatever it might be, like they try to do the solo effort, and they're excellent guitar players, but they try and and uh, write lyrics, and a lot of times they can be very juvenile mm-hmm. and, and very simple, and uh, that could be a dangerous um, room to step into, just because like. You know, someone you can be respected as this, you know, great guitar player, and then you try and do this, and you're singing about like I say, very simple lyrics. Whether it's like, you know, you know, my girlfriend left me, and I'm so sad, or whatever it might be, it kind of takes away from, you know, how talented they were as a, uh, you know, a guitar player, because it just it kind of dis- diminishes like that whole facade. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, facade probably just- the wrong word, but whatever. And I feel like if you if you're a, if you establish yourself as a singer songwriter, you 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 limit yourself to that. Where I want to make all kinds of album, you know, instrumental albums in my life, and not be bound down by any particular um, genre or style or approach with how I would do it. I, I I'd love to basically. I mean, I I'd love to make a surf rock album and an acoustic album and whatever else I could conjure up over the course of my life. So I, I have ultimate freedom because I choose to approach it in this way. Whereas if you establish yourself as a guy with the cowboy hat on that plays um, like, like what kind of what you said, it's going to be really hard for them to come back and release uh, an instrumental experiment album, expect people to, you know, what the hell is this? Right. And people don't like change. They hate it. That, that, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I always I get upset with people who, and I'm probably I've probably fallen victim to this person before in my my lifetime, where <clears throat> you know a band you love, they put out like two or three consistent albums, and you love every single one of them, and then they throw you a curveball and kind of like switch gears, which oh, yeah. or- which is it's unfair for me or you know any fan really to judge them for that because. They're artists. They they deserve to be creative, and they deserve to take different, you know, turns and and, ex, and experiment. And um, you know, who are we to tell them that they have to stay in one lane? Absolutely. It's like well, I feel like to follow to follow a band that you really love is like following a sports team, and you have to look at it from a broader concept of like your favorite sport team is going to have winning and losing seasons. That doesn't mean that they're a bad organization because they have a, a losing season and, and, and you realize over the course of a 20 or 30 year career, um, bands are going to try different things and maybe they, they try something and they realize it doesn't work and they go back to their original sound. And, um, and, it, and it just, there's so many possibilities. And I feel like, uh, perhaps as a, like, it's just, uh, society, I hate when I don't want to say society, but kind of, um, me being a musician, I, I, I'm a little bit more understanding of that, perhaps, where I feel like the general masses of people are not. Right. You're right. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's, you know, how dare they, you know, try and, and tell artists to 
to stick to one thing. It's not fair. Absolutely. And to that, I say I have a Pearl Jam tattoo and I still haven't listened to their new album. You know, (laughs) we're like, and it's not to say that I I know I'm not going to like it, but I know that it's an album by Pearl Jam in 2021. And I got to think about that before I go in. And I got to think about what that means because they have a, a large catalog of music and I, and there are certain things that I like and I don't like. And this is a band that I actually get it, get into it with a couple of friends here in Philly, including one of my housemates, which they're a couple of years older than me. They like the 90s stuff. I'm like, you have to consider the timing. I was, I, I got into Pearl Jam in the early 2000s and they're like, and, and they don't like the stuff in the early 2000s, but I'm like, you can't just not, you can't just knock it because you like them at this time. And we get into these long winded debates. Um, <laughs> like that re- reoccurring long winded debates about it, where it's like, it's, it, there's so many variables. It's the timing of when you get into a band and it's the, the trajectory of how good or bad their albums are around that time. Uh, but again, if you really like a band, you have to treat it like a sports team. All right. Well, so I'll throw another a sports analogy at you uh, in relation sure. to, you know, the 2000s Pearl Jam to the 90s Pearl Jam. Uh, Jordan versus LeBron James. I don't know if you, know, I, if you follow sports. I love I loved it. Not only, uh, the only sport I follow is basketball, and I'm really glad you asked me that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could ask you who's better. I mean, but we can never really know for sure who's better because they can never uh, physically one-on-one play each other, which is unfortunate because that would help put this whole thing to bed. Um, I'm going to say what I feel. Yeah. I, um, I, I, go ahead. I mean, I grew up watching Michael Jordan. Um, my dad took me to a Bulls game when I was younger. I got to see him play, thankfully. Um and like when I, so I, I've seen Jordan play. I haven't physically seen LeBron play, but I've seen him on TV. Uh, but I feel like the NBA in general is much different now compared to then. I think back in the nineties and eighties, even like it was much more physical. Um, and I think that was just, how do I say this? Like that was just kind of how things were back then. I mean, I don't want to say we're a softer society now than we were back then. I don't want to get into this like this weird thing, but it's just a different time. Like I, it's, it's like you really can't compare well, them. The the game is different. The game yeah, is different. The way different. the game is played. But I I wouldn't necessarily. I would put LeBron in like like the. He's not in my top three best players of all time. I put him in like the fifth okay. best player of all time. Fifth to Who, tenth. Who's one? Jordan. Okay, so so you're much younger than me. Well. Uh, well, you're 31, 38. So yeah, I mean, like you're younger than me, much younger. But like, I just feel like Jordan has had this. And like, I mean, if you watch the dance that's on Netflix and it was on ESPN when it first came out last year, um, watch it twice, cry. Yeah, I, dude. I mean, same. Like, but he just had this this thing about him where, like, if you and I just love it. I love the like, and that's kind of like my mentality with a lot of things and. It's almost there's not really a place for it per se in this 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 world now because like you don't want to have like these like competition is good and you want to kind of be friends with everybody and you know whoever does what you do they're all we're all friends and shit like that but like you know, back then it's like if you if you were on on the floor against him you were his worst enemy and he would right. do whatever it took to embarrass you or just to like you know put you in the ground. 
even after the game, I mean, they were friends out outside of the game, right? But like, even after that, they were still like, he's still like, if they were golfing or playing cards, he'd still want to fucking murder them. It's just like this mentality. It's like, like do or die. It's just, which is awesome. That's the ultimate to me that it just embodies the ultimate, like a athletic competitive mindset. And it's never been better exemplified than by Jordan. Um, So I, I just feel like on that alone, he deserves to be the best uh, ball player considered to be the best ball player. And it's it's weird too because like LeBron, like obviously he's he's amazing. He's an amazing athlete. Um, he can do things with his brand and his voice today that Jordan couldn't do, you know, because of social media or whatever it might be. But I also don't. I just don't feel like LeBron has that killer mentality. No, I I I don't. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a LeBron hater. But I, and I, I respect his legacy. And I, like I said, he's one of the best of all time. I just put a few guys ahead of him. Um, I, I mean, I, I got to be realistic. He's been playing for a million years. He's, he's undoubtedly one of the best of all time. But I just, I don't think he's anywhere on the same. It's like comparing Kenny Wayne Shepard to, to Hendrix or something. Right. That, that's, I'm sorry. That's not true. It'd be like comparing. I can't. I. I. I I'm. I'm. No. I'm, I All right. Know. Yeah. I mean, we. we that's too hard. <laughs> I. I could think about that one for for a bit. So Jordan's one. Who's two and three? So two. I got to go. Bird. I thought maybe you'd say that. I don't know why. I just. I thought maybe you'd say that. And three. I got to go. Kobe. Okay. I thought maybe you go with uh, Magic Johnson, but yeah, Kobe. Kobe had. Oh, Kobe. Yeah. Kobe had the same thing. Jordan had and RIP Kobe Bryant. Kobe had that like killer mentality. Not that he wanted to hurt anybody, but like you were you you were there, you had a job to do, and like if you didn't do it, it was shameful. Yeah, he 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 was the only guy who really answered to the call of who's the next Michael Jordan. He came the closest by by a bit, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I take that mentality with me to this day as far as competitiveness um, or, and, or not even competitiveness, just wanting to be the best. Like, I mean, I want this podcast to be the best it can be. And like what kills me right now is like the audio aspect of it uh, because you and I were doing this over Zoom. So the audio quality is not going to be phenomenal, um, which, you know, when you're talking about audio, you want it to be crisp and clear and all that kind of stuff, which kills me. Right. But it also doing it this way enables me to talk to you who's in Philadelphia and who would not, if I had a studio, right. right, You wouldn't be, you know, coming up to my studio to do this. So it's like a give and a take. And I think with this, the world we're living in now, people are kind of a little bit more forgiving in that they understand that, you know, people are doing things remotely now. But I want, I mean, I don't want to do things half assed. And I feel like sometimes when I'm doing this podcast and if I listen back to it or whatever, because I critique what I do and what I say and how I say things, because I tend to mumble sometimes and stutter or whatever it might be. It's like this audio sucks. I can't stand it. But I mean, not to get off track here, but that's like, I just take that from Michael Jordan and watching him just be, you know, just a huge competitor. Absolutely. And even, you know, I, I, 
take that I, I take that away from him as well in terms of applying that to anything I do. I mean, uh, obviously I'd like played sports and stuff, but even with music, it's like if like a booking agent doesn't return my call or email, all right, I'll just I'll go practice for five hours and like I'll I'll join a more successful band right. than that booking agent could you know. Yeah, what's up now? What's up now? This could have been but, you. But the, there, there is a truth to that, though. And if you were able to turn it, and the thing about Jordan, and he's able, he was able to turn that into like health, healthy. Right. Like he, he doesn't actually like the, you are the worst enemy in that moment. But if you, it, you, you could use it to your advantage, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If Absolutely. You're, if you're smart Absolutely. about it. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you're a 2000s uh, Pearl Jam fan. Um, I mean, again, I'm younger than you, so I was like 90s Pearl Jam, and like I still don't know how they got so many hits on one album with uh, 10. I don't know how it's possible. Like, how, like who does that? Absolutely. <laughs> what I mean, band get, what what band does that? Like, it's crazy. I'm actually like probably good on ten. Like I've done ten enough. I don't need to revisit it. I think for a bit. But the thing is, I again, I talked to the guys here about it. It's it's a timing thing. Where like I was I was like six years old when when verses came out, or four four or five years old. I'm like I I I, I what do you want me to do? Go buy the CD? <laughs> like what is your so it's a t- so naturally like I would actually say that like a. Uh, you know, the, the Pearl Jam era for me is probably like um, 94 to like 2000, something like that. That's fair. Um, That's fair. But I, but again, if you following it like a sports team, it's like, I, I just, I, I'm checking out what they're doing. I see what they're doing. And especially now having played music a little bit, you know, I, I could like kind of reflect on some of the musical things that they have chances and that they've taken and the way that they've changed their, you know, for example, like there was a period in the '90s where they were, um, they were backing Neil Young, and they did an album with Neil Young, Mirrorball, incredible album, one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, and then, and then, if you listen to, um, I guess it'd be No Code. It's like, you know, clearly, a lot of those songs were just like more stripped down, just guy, you know, guy with an electric guitar, crazy horse style stuff. Clearly, that like. He learned something. He took something from that time period, and it's cool to see. Like, oh, he's thirty-five years old. He's on the tour with Neil, and the mentality uh, behind, you know, the the one layer removed, I guess, from the from just the songs in terms of I I, I tend to like be have an interest in how old do people were when they made it, what was going on in their life, you know, what what prompted this or what inspired this kind of thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, do you like ever think about like, oh man, like. Eddie Vedder was 35 years old when he did X, Y, Z. And like, you're almost at that age now. And it's like, cause I do, I do that. Why, it's like, why do you think I released two albums? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, it's so weird to think. And I still like, I'll watch college football rarely, but sometimes. And I feel like those kids are in their thirties, like me, but they're like 18. It's like, how is this even possible? <laughs> oh, yeah. How how are they 18 years old on national TV doing the things they're doing? Or even like NBA players who are 18, 19, 20. It just, it's, it's mind-blowing. Absolutely. Well, the, the most spirit-crushing thing is that something to think about for everybody 
is that the um i believe it's the age 27 uh the beatles did all of their music did all of their tour and released all their albums and broke up and they were like 27 years old i think maybe 26 definitely not 28 though the biggest band in the world at 26 27 they're out it's it's just crazy to think about it's like when i was 27 dude when i was 27 I was probably at Outsiders watching you play. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were. That or whatever it was. I was oh, 27, I 20. was. No, because 27 was 2000. Oh, I was with my wife at the time. So I, I was watching you play at Outsiders way before then, like 2006 or 2007. Whatever. Not important. But yeah, I mean, I think about what I was doing at 27. It was not uh, creating the music the Beatles did. I mean, in general, in regards to playing music, it's, um, I never really expect, you know, I, I, I've gone along this journey, not expecting anything. And sometimes I've thought that it's like the end of the road at times. And there's been crossroads and decisions I've had to make and risks I've had to take, uh, to, to, to continue. Um, but I've just kind of continue with the idea of like, music doesn't really owe me anything. Right. And the fact that I've been able to do it solely as uh, for a living and be able to to, to tour uh, to the extent that I have and play with some of the people that I have, I, I basically could like retire now, retire now. And like, I'm like, oh, I, I, I did. I did. I got like an incredible opportunity and I, and I was able to do my bit like live out aspects of you know, my, my goals of playing music for, for a living. But now it's like the, again, back door, it's like, well, I'm here. I got to be here. And if I'm here, why, why would I stop here? And it, naturally I'm not going to stop playing music, but um, right. I, I'm very, I'm very thankful. And I, and I have, and I've always had minimal expectations because of how just um, challenging, you know, the, the musical pursuit can be at times. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, Playing bands, they'll play cover bands. They'll they'll have a lot of fun, and then what happens is they they realize, hey, you know what? This isn't really going anywhere. This isn't where I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm not where I want to be at the age I you know had expected it to be. Now I have you know girlfriend, wife, kid, whatever. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying for you to to necessarily speak to it about where you are with your life, but like. I know a lot of musicians and it's like one day they're playing in a band and the next day it's, they gave it up. You know, it's, 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 I don't know really what I'm asking with this question, but like, I I feel like people continue on the path and they keep pushing through and like, they're, you know, they're not, you know, playing arenas or anywhere, but they're still plugging away. They're, I, I, Sure. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. Yeah, thank it, you. It, thank it, for for, yes, for I, rescuing I, I, me. Absolutely. I of course. Well, I, it, I it's a very kind of um, how could I put this that you have to be reasonable when you ask yourself what does it mean to do this for a living. Um, to some people that means that they go play arenas. For some people that means they go play bars. For some people that means that they um. You know, they're, they, they teach um, right. for some people that means all three of those things. And, you know, there's literally infinite ways to, to generate money by playing music. And, you know, for me, I've, I've learned over the years that it's um, 
you could always explore other ways to do this. Um, but there's, there's going to be high and low points in terms of how busy you are. And, you know, I, I, there's going to be different kinds of things you, you do. You know, I, I, I could go um, play a, a, big, a big show and come back and play a small show and then go play a private party and then go teach some lessons and then um, do a recording session and, and play, a, play like a seated, a nice seated place and then play a, bit, a, a standing room thing. And then just um, you kind of have, at least for me, at least I feel like you need to, you need to be the opposite of delusional when it, co it comes to being realistic and like, you're going to have good things thrown your way, but perhaps again, coming back to balance, it's like, well, if I could get my bills paid and, and if I could kind of budget my life to be able to um, to do this and afford to do this. And, uh, and if I have the work is coming in that I can do it, you know, part of it, I have absolutely no control over. Um, but the other, the other part that I, that I can, you know, worrying about things that you actually can control and putting yourself in positions to yield work or yield some kind of success or um, to, to kind of forge relationships with people that you want to continue to work with that perhaps you, you see a future of, working with and knowing that like you know my one i've gone from making three to six month goals to like three to five year goals now right because uh, that's how long quality things take yeah so i guess what you could say too is like you know it, it's not uh having this um you know record contract or bust it's kind of you know utilizing you know your love for music to you know what you said, whether it's, you know, teaching music or, you know, playing small venues or, or, or just whatever, whatever, like, you know, makes you happy and what you get joy from. And that's really what, what it comes down to. Absolutely. And if you're just honest about that and real, realistic about that, you know, it's like, um, I just really like to play guitar and yeah. I like to, I like to see where that goes, you know, and as part of it, I don't have control over, uh, uh and I, and I just kind of want to be able to make music with people that I like and, um, and, pe and people that I enjoy playing with. And if I could yield income and survive off of that, that's a, that's a bonus as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And let's talk about a little bit about who you play with. And, and there may be more that I'm missing, but I mean, we talked about your, I think maybe your first band was Dirty Water. Um, if you want to even like put that on your radar, but uh, sure. you know, Leroy yeah. Justice, you know, Miz, Cabinet, huge band, uh, Charles Rivera. Um, I'm not sure if you were part of others that I just don't know about, but um that's cool. <laughs> I mean that's a, that's yeah. a that's a good it's good company to be to be among. I've you know, I've had I've had a few um touring touring gigs, you know, over the years. Um most recently with a with a gentleman, a singer songwriter from uh, New England, uh, Ryan Montblou. Oh, no shit. That uh, I've been working with him for the last uh, three years or so. Um, and that's kind of been my main, that's been my main thing up, up until prior to the pandemic in terms of like what occupies, you know, the most time, I guess. Dude, I, and I don't want to cut you off, but like I've, I was introduced to him, I think 2006, maybe I saw him at the jazz cafe right here in uh, NEPA. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't think I knew that. That's, that's, that's great. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I could let you know. Uh, I, I linked up 
I mean, it, there was a period where I was living and playing music in Burlington, Vermont for four years where I was kind of, uh, that's where I, that's where I linked up with Ryan. But, um, you know, aside from that, the last five years have really been just like getting, trying to get a couple of my own projects off the ground. Um, and, you know, getting occasional calls to do kind of fill in, fill in gigs or, or like temper or like a short, short term stints with groups. Uh, one that I've done a bit, couple a little bit here in the last few years is Sister Sparrow and Dirty Birds. I've done uh, some some shows with them here and there. Um, uh, there's a there's a great singer songwriter from Portland, Oregon, Brad Parsons, who um, I've been working with a bit. I've recorded on a few of his albums and I do some shows and tours with him as well. Um, and I guess those have been the main ones, you know, for the last three years or so. But there's always smaller projects and there's, and there's, um, you know, all kinds of, uh, configurations of people that I do different kinds of things with. Uh, and, you know, part of that, again, I mentioned earlier has to do with just like the uncertainty and just randomness of my schedule. But what I get in return is I get to do a lot of different things with so many great people and all these different music communities. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, you put together quite a uh, resume, um, and I, 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 like I said, I had no doubt. You know, from the very beginning, the, the first time I saw you play was it was going to be that way for you. So, well, I appreciate the support over the years, and it's great that you know it's it's awesome to see. Here we are, fourteen years later, still doing our thing. Yeah, yeah. One, one. Uh, I was always worried about leaving the media was because. Um, you know, I was at the Weekender when I first, you know, met you. Um, I was on radio, and I, my biggest concern of of leaving media was that I'd be. I guess I'll say it. I, I was worried about that I'd be forgotten about, or 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 whatever the 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 word you want to use might be. But you know, I started this before I left radio. Was hoping that I could, you know, just use it as a platform to stay connected to, you know, musicians or or you know, local business owners or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I hope this can continue to be, to be that. And, uh, again, I thank you for taking the time to, to talk to me about your life and your music and, you know, the past year that's been a struggle for everyone and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we, I think we covered some, some great ground. It was, it was great to catch up with you and, um, you know, I hope we could connect more in the future as, uh, with these pub with, with, uh, public, you know, public outings. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing too, before you leave, um, I feel like I saw you playing guitar on a rooftop in Philly with, uh, Pat Finnerty at some point over the past year. He, he's my, my housemate. I was going to say, were my eyes deceiving me or was that true? No, that's, that's, that's true. If I, if I actually like, if I do this and then tap the ceiling, you probably hear, hear me talking. I won't do that. Oh. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, we that, so I that was a really fun, random, impromptu, last minute thing that kind of came together. We're in a position here. We I live with two other musicians, and uh, we live next door to uh, to a musician as well. And we have a couple guys that were kind of into this idea, and we have two roofs, so we get the two houses, and uh, it kind of came together in a matter of a couple of hours. And we told a few people, and. That first time we did it, I think that thing got like 
went semi-viral. Yeah, it did. Got like a few hundred thousand views or something like that. But we, we did a couple more. We did like two more. And Pat calls it the Corona Dome. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is the idea of the two houses, socially distant. Right. With the drums on the down below, but by the third thing we had, by the third gig we had it all we had we were running monitors up to like running cables up into the uh, up into the second roof. I mean the whole setup is like couldn't be more perfect. We put the amps by the by the windows inside, so and just opened up the windows. Right. So, um, Dave Grohl was there. Dave Grohl was there. Yeah, he sure was. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what's great here in Philly. There's throughout the pandemic, there's been opportunities for kind of spontaneous things like that to happen just from by proxy, basically. Yeah. I mean, what a cool, I mean, it was great for people in the city that, you know, were still there. Uh, it was great for people online to, to see you guys play. I mean, Pat is, a, is one of the funniest people I've ever met. I remember seeing him and AJ jump perform at uh, West Side Cafe in Luzerne. Like this oh, is yeah. back in 2000, probably 2011, 2012, maybe. Um, but yeah, Pat's, he's a fucking riot. I mean, I love what he's doing with his, his show and he got fucking Grohl. Like he got Dave Grohl. Um, now he's doing those little series, to why this song stinks, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's, he's going after, and you know, again, I mean, I've, I've helped them, you know, I've, I've lent a hand here and there with the show and we uh, could collaborate. And, and whatnot but the, the what makes a song stink i'm telling them like i'm you're doing the lord's work you know because we are we're, we're here we're what we're home, everyone's home everyone's watching youtube and all of a sudden there's these guys top 30 best bass intros of of the 90s and like all these and all this gear seven compressor pedals that you should own and like all these ridiculous things of these men these these like ridiculous men talking about this stuff. And I'm, these guys have millions of followers and we're like, these guys are, these guys are morons, Pat. And we're like, somebody's <laughs> got to, somebody's got to go after these guys. You, and, and why are why are these like nine guys popping up in my feed all the time? Tell, telling me about guitars shit that I already know. And, and, and we just, and he is taking it one step farther and he's, he started this thing. And, and I, and I, I mean, he's, there needs to be more of that. And he, and he's, uh, I'm proud that he that someone taking a stand against these YouTube guys. They're no good, man. Not that I don't appreciate our last hour of conversation because I, I honestly do, but that that right there may have been the most fun I've, I had during this whole discussion was just you guys saying, you know what? This will not stand. No, it, action has been taken. <laughs> Shots have been fired. That's right. <laughs> because <laughs> somebody has to uh, well you know what i'm I'm happy it's you guys i'm I'm happy to be able to say that i know them i'm i'm uh friends of theirs and uh keep doing what you're doing we, we need people like you out there exposing the truth <laughs> and yeah, I hope, that's what i do that's i hope I, do. <laughs> I hope that anyone listening or watching this right now has listened this far because this is the most important thing we've discussed tonight I, I expose the truth. <laughs> That's what I do. Well, dude, Justin Mazer, your music is available on the streaming services. We have Controlled Burn uh, and the second one called Discourse. Congratulations on both of those. Um, fantastic music. 
Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have up your sleeve next. Um, And hopefully, I keep saying this is like almost like my send off. I say, you know, hopefully, I will see you sooner than later. That's that's a great send off, and I send it the same back to you. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. I appreciate your time, and uh, I'll see you soon. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. See you. Bye.